The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Roto World Football Podcast. I am your host, Raymond Summerland, and I am joined today, as I am every single Thursday, by Rich Rebar to discuss the Thursday night games as well as the most interesting data points from his weekly worksheet column. After that, we will hear from Nick Minzio, who has all the most important starts and sits for week two. Week three, excuse me. Week yeah. three. We're flying through this thing. Week three of the fantasy football season. Before we get to that, however, I would like to remind you to rate and review the podcast wherever you find it. It helps other people find the show. It helps us in the rankings. So we very, very much appreciate it. Please do that. With that out of the way, let's get to it. What's up, Rich? Ray, man, what's going on? Like you said, week three already. And, you know, it's been kind of slow going here these first two weeks. You know, I put a little nuggets in the top of the worksheet there. I mean, we've had just 121 offensive touchdowns through two weeks. It's the lowest total since 2006. We're 27 fewer offensive touchdowns at this point we were at last year, and 193 fewer points. I know we lost one game there uh, due to the hurricane, but, I mean, that's those are big totals, uh, a, a big gap there this year. And we're seeing sack rates are uh, at an all-time high, too, to start the year. So, I mean, the offensive line play has been a problem to, to get us some points on the board. And we got a lot of low totals again this week. Yeah, I was going through the totals, and I was, you know, the, the, the implied team totals, I was really surprised by by how low they you know they are. And if we go into Thursday night game, I actually don't know off the top of my head that total in Thursday night game. Can't imagine it's high with the Rams at the 49ers. And, you know, we had a we had a great opening night game between the Chiefs and the Patriots, and the league thought, you know, Mm-hmm. How can we keep this momentum going? How can we make sure that Thursday night is no longer a laughing stock? And their answer was, give us the Bengals and Texans and the Rams and 49ers in back-to-back weeks. You know, to be fair, I guess, Bengals-Texans probably looked a lot better before the season, before we've seen what's happened in the season. But this game, peak Thursday night. But again, all that said, there are some interesting things in here to watch. There are some names who I, I find interesting, the names that I'm I'm happy to use in DFS, even though I normally, you know, avoid this game. So who pops out to you? Yeah, I mean, really, we're just looking at the the ghost of Todd Gurley and trying to figure out if last week was real or not. That was kind of the, the first glimpse we had of, like, the rookie version 
of Todd Gurley. I mean, last week he had 10 runs of five or more yards. That was the most he's had in a game since week five of 2015. Um, you know, he, he's starting to get peppered in the passing game. I mean, he's fourth in receiving yards for running backs. We saw, obviously, the highlight touchdown where he hurtled over a guy and broke another tackle. But he's got 18% of the team targets. He had averaged just 9% per game for his career coming into the season. So that's been a big boost to his fantasy stock. And the Rams have been favored both weeks, and he's hit. I mean, in the 10 games now, Gurley's been favored in his career. He's averaging 22 touches and on 99 yards from scrimmage with 10 total touchdowns. So, I mean, this lines up. You know, they're favored again this week. For the, This is probably the first time, I mean, since the greatest show on turf, the Rams have been favored three consecutive weeks. I don't, I don't know if anyone wants to fact check there or not, but we're going to go with it. Uh, but, I mean, Todd Gurley is who we were looking at here. And, I mean, on the other side, uh, Carlos Hyde has gotten off to a really great start as well. I mean, the, the Rams just gave up two, uh, 200 rushing yards to Chris Thompson, you know, Samaj P. Ryan, and Rob Kelly. So it's a good spot to get in both of these feature backs and get on those, you know, those per plus volume backs, you know, so to speak, in this game. Yeah, talking about Hyde, even without the 61-yard run against Seattle, he's averaged 4.7 yards per carry versus the Seahawks and the Panthers. We're not talking about he's had a cupcake schedule by any stretch of the imagination. Half of Washington's running back carries last week went for at least four yards. This is a this is a prime spot for Carlos Hyde. And you mentioned the Rams are favored. I've you know I do a little do a little bit of handicapping on the side. And what I know early in the season is that you want to stay away from short road favorites. It's exactly what the Rams are. I believe they're two and a half in this game. So I think that this is a game that could end up being a quote unquote upset. So I'm all about. I'm all about Hyde. Like what about in the passing games? You, is there anybody interested? I'm, you know, I have to say I'm very worried about Sammy Watkins. I know you were even before the season. You know, he's averaging 12 and a half yards a catch. He averaged over 15 each of his first three years in Buffalo. I know it's a small sample size, but he has just seven targets. That's two fewer than Robert Woods. It's five fewer than Cooper Cup. It's three fewer than, you know, new Marshall Falk, Todd Gurley, who you talked about, <laughs> uh, which that passing game usage has been absolutely great for him. So, you know, I don't think see how you can see Watkins as anything more than like a, a low end wide receiver three moving forward. And we might be to the point where maybe Cooper Cup, even in standard leagues, especially in PPR leagues, is a is a better start. What do you? How are you viewing Watkins right now? Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Watkins to me is basically just like in flex, like purgatory for me. And I mean, this is one of the games you would hope he'd be able to do something. But the 49ers haven't even a 64 yards is the most they've given up through two games to a wide receiver, and that was Tyler Lockett. I mean, the good news is Watkins has caught all his targets. The bad news is he's only had seven of them. So, I mean, uh, there's not a lot to be excited about. I mean, he's only been on the team for six weeks. I mean, he's still kind of finding his way. And then um, we probably, you know, rushed the gun a little bit on the, you know, the Rams passing game, you know, kind of being back after that Colts game. I mean, Goff still looked exponentially better last week against Washington as well. But the volume just isn't really going to be there. I mean, the, he's not going to be a guy that's going to push for those 300-yard passing games a lot. It's still going to be a lot of underneath stuff. And Watkins really hasn't thrived that way in the NFL yet. I mean, he did excel that way at Clemson on the screen game and yards after the catch, but we haven't seen that version of Watkins in the NFL. He's been kind of strictly used as a lid popper so far. So until we start to see him kind of get like worked into the offense with some, with some cheapies, um, I, I have a hard time really elevating him as like a set and forget guy, uh, or even like really even kind of dabbling with him as a wide receiver three. And it, it must the the circumstances are really, really favorable. And then they weren't even great because it was like that week one and he was still just the wide receiver, what, 36. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think Cup is Goff's guy. I don't know if there's, like, I don't think Cup's going to be in that category either where he's going to be a set-and-forget guy either. 
um, the, the, the yardage and the receptions just aren't going to be that high, and we know he's not going to have high odds at touchdowns. So, I mean, he's probably – I'm probably a little higher on him than Watkins, but, I mean, both these guys are going to live in that, like, wide receiver three flex range. And the other passing game, I mean, with Hoyer there – and you know what's funny? I don't. I haven't looked at. I haven't watched. I've watched both of these first two games. I didn't look at Hoyer and say, "Oh, he had a bad game." It was much better, worse against the Seahawks and the Panthers. But I didn't think, "Oh, this is a really bad game." It just nothing has been happening. They've literally got nothing going. You're not playing anybody from this passing game except for Pierre Garcon, who oddly probably has some room to grow. His target share is only twenty four percent right now. You'd have probably taken the over on that before the season, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was there the week one. He got the 10 targets, kind of ran into uh, Richard Sherman there last week, you know, kind of kind of followed him around the field a little bit. So he didn't get peppered with targets. I mean, Hoyer, like you said, Hoyer really hasn't like popped off the, like the screen is terrible, but like, like you said, they've just done nothing. I mean, they're the only team in the NFC without a touchdown now that the Giants finally scored. So it's the between, it's a race between them and the Bengals. And luckily the 49ers play on Thursday. So they'll have a chance to beat the Bengals for the last team to, that needs a touchdown on the season. But I mean, Hoyer's average is seven and a half yards per completion. That's last in the NFL out of all quarterbacks. And just 22% of his uh, pass attempts have gone for first downs, which is also last in the league. So they're just not really generating anything through the air at this point. But it's just basically Garcon's the only guy you're going to entertain here. What an exciting game. Can't wait. <laughs> 40 points was the total, by the way. 40 points is 40 the implied points, total. Yeah. I, yeah. Great. <laughs> I might go see the Kingsman. But uh, we'll we'll see, and wait for the condensed game. But we'll we'll see what happens. All right, let's move on to the worksheet, which, as I hope you all know by now, is published every Wednesday at RotoWorld.com. It's something you should read every single week. And let's get started with Kirk Cousins, who I did not bail on last week, going to LA to face the Rams, and that didn't turn out great. But he has traditionally struggled early in the season. He has a lot of new pass catchers. I kind of expect him to figure it out. The question is. Can he do it this week at home against the Raiders? Yeah, Cousins, like you said, he's been a letdown through two weeks. He's been the QB 20 and the QB 21 in each of the first two games. He's thrown for just 240 and 179 passing yards through those two games. He threw for fewer than 260 yards just twice, all of 2016. So he's done that already in the first two weeks. But I'm willing to go back to the well here in week three. Um, It's the only game on the schedule, and with both teams have an implied score over both 25 points each. We talked about the the low totals out there. This is one of the games that we figure there's going to be some scoring involved in. He's going to be at home against an Oakland defense that really hasn't faced the gunslinger yet. They allowed a QB six week uh, in week one to Marcus Mariota, and they allowed a QB 13 week last week to Josh McCown. Uh, So, I mean, I think that we'll see uh, a reminder of the 2016 version of Cousins uh, for fantasy purposes in a game where they're going to need points, they're at home, and uh, have a much softer defense uh, than they faced the first two weeks. There was a lot of rushing in in those totals. I think Josh McCown, yeah, Josh McCown (laughs) so far has 32 rushing yards. There you go, Josh McCown. And a touchdown. He ran for that touchdown touchdown week one. (laughs) Add those points, Josh McCown. Yeah, I'm I'm on board Cousins again. If if it doesn't happen this week, I'm going to start to get worried. How are you on the uh, Reds? I'm, I'm kind of thinking it's a bounce back for all those guys that have let people down this week. I think Jordan Reed had two like really awful matchups. I think he's in a spot to bounce back. I think Crowder as well. Yeah, I would like to see that Crowder's healthy. I think that mm-hmm. there is there has to be something going on. You look at his, I think, snap rates. I think he's playing less than Ryan Grant. I, that's off the top of my head. So you have to think that something's going wrong with his hip. So I'd like to see him healthy. But prior, they're going to connect on these passes at some point. You have to imagine. So I'm not really that scared of prior. I'm certainly not scared of Reed. But 
I don't believe he practiced on Wednesday, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I'm not scared of these guys. I do expect that there will be a bounce back at some point in time. And like I said, Cousins has started slow in the past. And so we'll, we'll, see, it. we'll see how this goes. All right, let's move on to another guy starting slow, Christian McCaffrey, who he's played a ton of snaps. He's seen 21% of the Panthers' targets so far through two weeks, which is an incredible number for running back. But it just hasn't happened for him yet. At home against the Saints, this seems like a good time to change that, right? Yeah, you hit upon. He's another guy that's gotten out of the blocks lower than where he was drafted at. He's he's run the ball 21 times now for just 57 yards. Uh, but you touched on he's playing a ton of snaps, getting a ton of opportunity. He's been on the field for 45 snaps per game. He has at least four catches in each game. You touched upon the target market share. They just lost Greg Olson, another underneath guy. So, I mean, he should be able to hold that 20% probably the whole season, I would imagine, with the way they've been trying to use use him and he had a, t- a gimme touchdown last week that Cam yep. Newton airmailed on him uh, but l- this week that usage is going to matter a lot as the Panthers host the Saints a defense that no matter how much things change uh, they still remain the same for us in fantasy and the Saints I mean they've allowed the six most rushing yards to running backs uh, the the fifth most receiving yards to backs to start the year uh, and they've already allowed four top 20 PPR scoring backs in the season there's only been two games <laughs> wow that's yeah, that's unbelievable. I, and I was going to mention, I'll add to it. James White and Rex Burkhead combined for 11 catches for 126 yards and a touchdown. Vikings backs had six catches. Yeah, there's, we're all aboard the McCaffrey train this week for sure. And, and because of how disappointing he's been, you know, the Saints going to rot, certainly going to raise ownership percentages, but how bad he's been, maybe, maybe you get a little lower than otherwise you should. Let's move on to Cincinnati where apparently... If A.J. Green wants you fired, you get fired with the Bengals. And now we have a new offensive coordinator, which I assume he hopes will help him and the rest of the offense be better. That said, Green has actually been pretty solid through two weeks. It hasn't been great, but he's been pretty solid from a fantasy perspective. Do you think he can be better than that this week in Green Bay? Yeah, I mean, people are kind of out here freaking out on A.J. Green because the Bengals have been miserable for two weeks. But, I mean, kind of a slow start was to be expected for this passing game. They were going against uh, a common opponent in Baltimore week one. They've held Andy Dalton now to one or fewer touchdown passes in nine to 12 games. They play, faced him. And then we all know Thursday night Dalton's bugaboos, and that was against the Houston defense. So we should expect that this passing game to kind of get out of the blocks. And Green uh, has has one of the most consistent bulk resumes for fantasy people out there, but he's no stranger to kind of slower starts himself. I mean, in 2015, he had just eight for 108 uh, the first two games. In 2012, he had just 12 catches for well, 128 yards. So, I mean, through two weeks now, his 10 catches for 141 yards isn't really the end of the world. He still has 30% of the team's targets. He's got 45% of the team's deep targets and 30% of their red zone targets, you know, and now he's heading into uh, to face a Green Bay defense that kind of invites opportunity to wide receiver production. 87% of the receiving yardage gained against the Packers has come from wide receivers. It's the highest rate in the league. I think we still may see Dalton struggle a little bit, but I think this is a week where we see A.J. Green get back to being a wide receiver one. Yeah, and I mean, we saw it with Julio on Monday night. It, if you need to get, get out of a funk, I guess Julio's was just one, one game, then this is a good time to do it. All right, let's finish up with Jack Doyle, who has somehow, I'm going to say miraculously, caught 90% of his passes this season with Scott Tolzien and Jacoby Brissett throwing him the ball. Obviously, he was very efficient on a per, on a per target basis last year, so maybe it's not that surprising now he gets the Browns this week. Are you trusting him in your lineups? 
Yeah, Jacoby Brissett has struggled getting the ball to wide receivers now through, you know, a game and plus the the mop-up in that week one. He's completed just 11 of 26 passes now to wide receivers. Uh, but he has found success targeting tight ends. He's 9 of 9 passing to the Colts tight ends for 99 yards. Doyle has caught all 8 of his 8 targets from Brissett for 79 yards. He was the tight end 6 in week two. Uh, his game is relevant also because it was against a defense that allowed the second fewest catches to tight end since the start of last year coming into that game. So that kind of sticks out because now he's going to face uh, the Browns at home. Uh, and the Browns are, after being 31st in uh, scoring to tight ends a year ago, the second most points, they've already allowed a league high 19 receptions and 47.2 PPR points to the position to start the year. Um, you know, and, and we saw you know Ben Watson hang up an eight for 91 on them, and you know Jesse James. These aren't elite tight ends that lit them up those two weeks. And Jamie Collins in the concussion protocol. I think Jack Toyle is sitting on the top of the uh, streaming pile of tight ends if he was released after that non-Andrew Luck start. No, I absolutely agree, and I think he can. He can certainly have a Ben Watson game. Maybe he finds his way into the end zone, although I think the Colts have thrown five total passes in the red zone this season. So maybe maybe not a lot of hope for that, but certainly a Ben Watson game, that can happen. Thanks as always, Rich. Remember, you could find his worksheet column on rotorworld.com. As we speak, you can go and find it right now, and it's certainly something you should read every single week before setting your lineup. You can also find him on Twitter, at Lord Reeves, and I will be back with Nick Benzio in just a second. We are back with Nick Minzio, who writes Stardom and Sidem every week on rotoworld.com, which should be up by the time you listen to it, certainly be up by Thursday afternoon. So make sure you go and give that a read. What's going on, Nick? What's up, Ray? Good to be back, man. Yeah, it's uh, you know getting ready. We talked about another exciting Thursday night game on uh, at the beginning of this oh, show. God. So getting ready. It's been... It's been a tough first two weeks if for if you like offense for sure, but but hopefully we'll get a little bit better. And one guy we might like to see a little more from moving forward is Mister Kenny Galladay, Baby Tron himself, who couldn't build on his opening performance in Week Two. Uh, he only had one catch for eight yards on three targets. But you expect him to have a better game this week against the Falcons. Why? Yeah, I'm expecting a big bounce back here. He's he's severely outplaying TJ Jones, playing more snaps, double him up both, both weeks. And this past week on Monday night, just the, the Lions didn't have to throw the ball at all in the second half. I think they only threw it four times after halftime, uh, had had a comfy lead. But Galladay's going to run most of his routes, I would imagine, against Robert Alford, who is like 5'9", I think, and Galladay's 6'4". I expect Marvin Jones to see a lot of Desmond Trufant, so... I like that matchup a lot for Galladay, and this game's got a 50-point total. I expect it to be pretty close with Atlanta on the road in Detroit. Three-point spread. Both have high team totals, so I really like this spot for Galladay. Get some jump balls, maybe a couple end zone targets, so I'm going back to the well here. Yeah, and you mentioned it. Stafford only threw 21 times against the Giants on Monday night. So you look at Kenny Galladay's three targets, you think, oh, we only got three targets. That's that's still, what, 14%, 15%? Of, of the throws and Stafford targeted him deep uh, a couple times, just kind of threw it up deep to him. If he's going to keep doing that. I, I expect Galladay to come down with a few of them. And like I said, this, this game is a, certainly a game to target in DFS. It seems like it will be pretty high scoring. So I was, you know, I was on Twitter early on Wednesday. We recorded this on Wednesday earlier today. I was on Twitter asking someone to talk me out of Jared cook this week. And it doesn't seem like you're the guy to do it. You're all on board, right? 
No, yeah, I, was, I saw your tweet, and I was like, man, that makes perfect sense. I was looking into the tight ends, and Cook just jumped off the page in this in this matchup. A high 54.5-point total, highest of the week with ease, Sunday night, uh, hammer game in DFS. So I really love this spot for Cook. Cook's easily third on the team in targets. Nobody else is particularly close. I think Seth Roberts has like two. But uh, the, the Redskins have just been been getting killed by tight ends through two weeks i know zach Ertz had close to 100 yards in week one gerald everett the rams rookie had close to 100 last week i believe uh cooks had big games against the redskins in the past too. he's played them four times has three touchdowns 224 yards 17 catches uh the redskins definitely miss sua cravens who's been ruled out for the year and then they get have mason foster their inside linebacker who has a separated shoulder i don't know if he's going to play this week or not but he was one of PFF's uh, top coverage linebackers last season. So that would be an even bigger boost to Cook for sure. Yeah, I, I really don't like that I'm going to play Jerry Cook in DFS and probably in some leagues as well where I where I stream tight ends. I, I'm not happy about it. But like you said, everything points to this. His target share, he's actually caught 8 of 11 targets this year. Jared Cook has caught 8 of 11 targets this year. So it's, you know, everything's setting up for him for sure. And that means that he's probably going to let us all down because that's what <laughs> that's that's what Jared Cook does. So uh, let's move on to the guys you do not like this week. The first up is Jaquiz Rogers, who you know he had a pretty nice fantasy day against the Bears in the Bucks opener, rushing for sixty-seven yards and a touchdown. So you know what don't you like this week? I mean, I kind of caught some flack last week for tweeting about how I thought Jaquiz might have been a trap last week against the Bears. I mean, he averaged three and a half yards yards a carry. Didn't see a target in the past game. I think he got lucky with a touchdown. Uh, I just don't like the spot for Jaquiz. He's he's not playing as many snaps as he was last year when he was a starter. So Charles Sims still has a role. The Vikings' run defense is really strong. They held Le'Veon Bell in check big time on the road last week. And they're coming back home where they held Adrian Peterson in check in week one. Mark Ingram didn't do very much in week one. So I, don't, I really don't like this spot for Rodgers unless he can luck his way into a touchdown again. Yeah, I think that that's, that might be what you see. You know, the snaps... They were they basically treated the second half like a preseason game, so they put Peyton Barber in there a lot. So we'll see what happens. But it, with Bradford looking likely to play, it looks like Bradford's going to be able to play this week. The volume might not be there. They might not be running out the clock late. So yeah, I he might he might disappoint, especially in a really tough matchup. Yeah, I'm not just I'm not saying I should you should just flat out bench to quiz, but I'm just not expecting like a big output like 12 points like he had last week. I should say. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I'm on board with that. Finally, you are out on Rashard Matthews this week. The Seahawks are coming to town, so I bet I can guess why you don't like Rashard Matthews. Yeah, pretty much. This one's just a slam dunk. I'm not into Matthews at all just because I think he's going to be the one that sees the most of Richard Sherman. Even though Richard Sherman isn't hashtag great anymore, he's been getting beat a little bit this year, and he's approaching his 30th birthday here. But I just don't like Matthews very much. I like the middle attack, attack, attacking the middle of the field with Decker more in this matchup for Mariota, and I just really would rather play like Derrick Henry or something like that on the Titans if I'm going to play any Titans at all. Yeah, I'm on certainly on board with that one. And that target competition, if you're not Delaney Walker, that target competition seems like it's, you know, it's going to make it difficult to play a lot of these guys. Thanks as always, Nick. Remember, you can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Benzio. Make sure you do that. You can also follow Rich on Twitter at Lord Reeves. You can follow me at RM Summerlin for all of my Jared Cook related upset tweets that will happen on Sunday for sure. That will, that will, there's not a doubt that there won't be a hundred Jared Cook related. I'll be there with you, man. So yeah, be prepared for those. Also don't 
forget to rate and review wherever you find the podcast. It helps us a lot, and we very much appreciate it. All right, that's it. We'll uh, talk to you next week. Yep, later, Ray. field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keepitfunohio.com for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.